Hello and welcome to episode number 26 of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi of DraftAnalyst.com, welcoming Tony Pauline back to the cold of New York State after several days in St. Petersburg, Florida for Shrine Week. Enjoying the 30-degree change, Tony? Uh, it's not that bad. It actually wasn't, wasn't really warm that warm last week in St. Pete. We usually have... Uh, Weather where I can come back with a suntan, but uh, it was kind of kind of breezy and cool. It was supposed to warm up uh, towards the end of the week by game uh, by game time, although the game's inside. So, but it is what it is, and got to see all three uh, days of padded practices from both sides. There was some good good hitting, some good things to uh, to talk about, which we'll get to over this, the course of this podcast. Well, hopefully, the mobile gives us some uh, warmer weather next week because I'd like to come back a little less pale than I currently am. We're going to take a slightly different approach to our final podcast dedicated to the East-West Shrine game. We're going to look at Wednesday's practice from kind of a broader view. Instead of going position by position, we're going to look at the offense and the defense separately. Tony, who impressed offensively on the final day of practice? You know, some of the guys who really didn't look that good during the week uh, really stepped it up. On the offensive line, uh, the Arkansas tackle, Brian Wallace, looked really good. I mean, the usual guys, Josh Miles, looked good again. Uh, Ole Utah had a good day, but some of the names that really we hadn't talked about during the week, I thought Brian Wallace of uh, Arkansas looked really good at tackle, had his moments, big guy, plays with excellent knee bend, shows terrific strength at the point of attack. At the uh, tight end position, uh, Daniel Helm finally showed some good things. Uh, From the uh, receiver position, once again, Terry Wright of Purdue looked good, did drop some passes. But his ability to get separation and, and his route running skills stood out. Sean Poindexter uh, caught, caught a couple of nice passes. Brody Oliver from Colorado School of Mines really looked good. Oliver was a guy who struggled on Monday, really started to pick up the pace as the week went on. You know, I don't want to say he was the West uh, best receiver, but he made a lot of nice receptions, showed the ability to get separation. You know, didn't look like a guy that came from a Really small school program. Looked like he uh, he belonged there. Uh, Got to give him a lot of credit for the way he played yesterday. Uh, defense was kind of the same thing. Guys who showed spurts throughout the week really tended to step it up uh, yesterday and, and made scouts take notice. Michael Dogby was pro- was uh, prominent throughout the practice for the East. Very quick, very explosive. Plays with great uh, pad lever- uh, pad level and leverage. Thought Kevin Wilkins of Rutgers who was used at both defensive tackle a couple times. They stuck him out at end. He had a real good day, uh, constantly behind the line of scrimmage, one out and a lot of one-on-ones. Chris Nelson, the defensive tackle from Texas, had kind of been building some momentum throughout the week, uh, and, and he really he was, he was one of the best uh, defensive linemen from the West. I don't think he was overall the best, but he was right up there with Daniel Wise and Dalen Mack of Texas A&M. As far as the linebackers are concerned, Ulysses Gilbert had another good day. Saw a lot of good plays from Drew Lewis of Colorado. Undersized guy, but very quick and explosive. I was able to get from point A to point B with with immediacy. Uh, showed terrific speed in his game. Was not just a straight line guy. Was able to get out laterally in pursuit, get out to the uh, flanks, and, and make a lot of plays. Uh, in the defensive backfield, Donald Lewis from Tulane had several nice uh Pass breakups yesterday it was good to see that. He's a guy who, uh, on film, I grade him as a seventh rounder. He's got decent size, solid ball skills, uh, really stepped up his game yesterday. 
And from the uh, safety position, Dakota Dixon was back on the field. He played well. So a couple of nice plays from Andrew Wingard of Wyoming. Um, so overall, Wednesday, the, the players that we talked about throughout the week looked good, but there were a lot of guys who he had not mentioned that really stepped up their, uh, their performances. Now, the big reason we didn't go position by position for Wednesday's practice is that we're about to do that just for the week as a whole, with the exception of the quarterback position. We're going to kind of go over winners and losers at each spot. Tony, arguably the toughest position to fully scout on the all-star circuit, especially on the offensive side, is running back. Go over your winners and losers and what you saw in the backfield. Well, there were no losers, but two guys uh, really stood out. And my number one guy would be Ty Johnson. There's no doubt about it. I, I mean, he shows all the physical skills to be a feature runner at the next level. He's quick and he's explosive. He has a tremendous burst through the hole. I, I mean, the, the ball would be snapped. He would be, hand, he would be handed the ball, and it would just pop out of the line and shows great speed. Um, his, like we talked about on Tuesday, his pass-catching skills were, were phenomenal. And as you mentioned, he really wasn't asked to uh, do that much at, at Maryland. His route-running ability... Uh, the, the way he caught the ball away from his frame. And I spoke with a lot of people who were surprised that Ty Johnson didn't enter the 2018 draft, primarily because they are loaded in that backfield at Maryland, and they thought he was only going to get limited number of carries this past season, which is what happened. It was a combination of uh, he lost his starting job because of a combination of all the talent they have back there, and he was a little bit banged up. Um, but he really, really, I think, stated his case when he came into the year. Scouts had given, given him a grade, uh, given him a, a six-round grade, uh, and he really proved to be all that plus much more. Um, I, I think he's a guy who, you know, what is, what is a winner? We should define that first. A winner is a guy who is leaving the week of practices with a higher draft grade than when he entered the Shrine game. Ty Johnson is definitely one of those. So is the Divine Zigbo of uh, Nebraska. As we talked about before, a guy who's about 225 pounds, but he shows the quickness and the footwork of a 205 pound back. Decent pass catching skills. I was not as impressed with his hands as I was with Ty Johnson. More so, I was not impressed with his route running as I was with Ty Johnson. But a guy that you see has the makings of a potential feature runner, doesn't have a lot of mileage on the body, showed a lot of outstanding skill and someone to watch uh, on game time. Now, we'll stick with the skill positions here. There were a lot of standout performances among the pass catchers. Tony, who leaves St. Pete as a riser at receiver and tight end? Both teams, the East and the West, contributed top pass catchers. Obviously, we've got to start off with Keyshawn Johnson of Fresno State. There were questions about his speed coming into the week. There are still going to be some questions about his speed leaving the week, although he did beat Michael Jackson badly down the field yesterday at the start of practice, and the ball was underthrown. But his ability to run routes, his ability to separate from opponents, the way he uses his hands to separate from opponents, the way he catches the ball. As I said in a piece that I wrote for the Philadelphia Eagles, he consistently made the easy, ordinary catch, but he also made some outstanding one-handed grabs. Really looked good every single day. There was no let-up in his game at all. You know, it, it, it's all going to depend with Keyshawn Johnson how he runs. He hasn't gotten a combine invitation yet. Hopefully he will get one. And if he gets a combine invitation, he's a guy that if he runs in the low to uh, high four fours, he could sneak into the third round of the draft. But if he runs in the mid to high four fives, he's going to go in the midday of the third day of the draft. Regardless, he's going to be a very good fourth receiver, uh, special teams player at the next level. Cody Thompson of uh, Toledo was probably the best hand catcher 
of any of, of either squad. He's a guy who plucks the ball from the air. He runs good routes, gets separation, outstanding eye-hand coordination. You know, you don't want to see these guys let the ball get inside him and body catch. Cody Thompson never did that. He just showed he's a natural fluid receiver. He was rated as a uh, draftable uh, receiver coming into the 2017 season, had an injury which ended his campaign, came back this year, received another draftable grade. And as we've spoken about in the past on these podcasts, Toledo has three receivers, uh, two of them who are going to get drafted in 2019. Uh, I, I think Cody Thompson stated his case to be the first receiver from that program to be drafted. Again, like Keyshawn Johnson, Cody Thompson's draft grade will depend on how fast he runs the 40, as well as his medicals, to make sure that, that uh, there's no long-term effects from that injury in 2017. Terry Godwin, who was written about, he was everything that uh, people had said about him. He doesn't have the deep speed, which is a concern, especially since he's a smaller uh, receiver. But he's going to be a great slot receiver at the next level. He ran incredible routes. I mean, the guy sticks his foot in the ground, makes a 90-degree turn, separates from opponents. Defenders couldn't stop his route running, and he basically caught everything that was thrown to him. Another really terrific hand catcher. I thought Terry Wright, even though he dropped a few passes on Wednesday, he's going to leave Shrine Game practices as a winner. Here's a guy who wasn't even graded by scouts coming into the season, and he's a little, and he's a bit of a smaller receiver like Terry uh, Godwin of Georgia, but again, very explosive, great route runner, someone that you're going to line up in the slot at the next level, someone who can also uh, double for you as a return specialist, a guy that I think when scouts go back, I know I'm going to have to, they're going to have to pull the Purdue tape out again and watch Terry Wright and, and write up some reports on him. As far as the tight ends are concerned, Kendall Blanton was the best. He improved uh, as the week went on. He is a physical specimen. You look at him and he, you, you say if he's not playing tight end, he can be a power forward in the NBA. He's athletic. He's fluid. It's just a matter of repetition and getting him really into game-type situations because he wasn't the starter at Missouri, especially with that blocking. As we spoke about earlier in the week, he seemed a little bit confused with the blocking, primarily because Missouri doesn't ask their tight ends to block, but he shows all the makings of a big-time tight end at the next level. It just may take a while for him to get there, but you had to like, we, you had to like what you saw from Kendall Blanton the three days during practice. We've painted a rosy picture so far with the skill positions, but it wasn't all positive on the offensive side of the ball. Certainly there were some offensive linemen who did boost their stock, but there were also several who struggled all week. Tony, break down the ups and downs for us in the trenches. And my big winner, and I spoke about him, I gushed about him all week, was Josh Miles of Morgan State. Again, like uh, Terry Wright, the receiver from Purdue, a guy who wasn't even graded by scouts coming into the season, was basically ignored. I had heard about uh, Miles back in October. He's a college tackle came to the Shrine game, lined up at guard all week, and was phenomenal. I mean, no one could get past him. Fundamentally sound, blocks with excellent knee bend, strong at the point, showed decent mobility and the, and the skill to get out on the second level, take on linebackers at block in motion. A guy with big-time talent, big-time potential. You know, as I said, I spoke with a buddy of mine in the NFL on the uh, – before Monday's practice, when he was asking me about certain guys he had not seen, I told him to watch Josh Miles. I said that I thought Josh Miles would be a good practice squad prospect and a guy that you could develop over the course of a year or two. He came back to me after the first practice and said, I think Miles is an active roster player who could develop into a starter. He's got that kind of talent. Be interesting to see if he gets a combine invitation, but he's got to be on your radar. Lamont Galliard of Georgia was terrific all week. The strongest the stoutest of all the uh, 
centers, or the pure centers, I should say, guy who plays with great fundamentals. No one got by him. Once he got his hands on a defender, that was it. Game over. Justin School of Vanderbilt, a guy that's not received a lot of notice or a lot of, uh, uh, not too many people have written about him. Uh, no one beat Justin School. He doesn't have a great footwork. He's not the most fluid athlete, but he's what we used to call a finesse blocker. He's got great size, and he uses that size. He squares into opponents, and he rides them from their angle of attack. He won out in the one-on-ones. Some of the quicker guys were able to beat him with inside moves, but but overall, School leaves the, the Shrine game with a higher grade than when he entered. Was also very impressed with Jackson Barton from Utah. Good every single day of practice. Terrific pass protector. Has got excellent length. He's got some growth potential and could eventually develop into a dominant run blocker. There were two offensive linemen that I believe uh, left the week with draft grades that were worse than when they entered. First is Nick Linder of Indiana. Not going to dwell on this much. Linder was a guy who I really liked a lot when he was at Miami of Florida. Has had some serious injuries, which is going to hamper him at the next level. May not even be able to get into a camp at the next level, but he struggled. I was severely disappointed with Tyler Jones. Tyler Jones was getting beat up on every day. The uh, left tackle from North Carolina State who projects the guard. You know, he, he shows some movement skills, but at times he looked very pedestrian. It looked like it was the first time out on the football field. I, I mean, this is just a continuation of what has been a poor season for Linder, um, a poor season for Tyler Jones. And, and he's a guy who... I had graded as a third rounder coming into the season. Scouts thought he was more more of a fifth rounder. Right now, he's a seventh rounder, undrafted free agent. Now, before we look at the defense, please support the draft analysts by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any of the big podcast platforms. You can also find us at Believe.com. Leave a rating and a review. And if you ask a question in your review, we'll do our best to answer it on the show if there's time at the end. You can also tweet us questions at Chris Tripodi, at Tony Pauline, at Draft Analyst One and at Believe Podcast to get in touch with the show as well. Now, the position group on the defensive side of the ball that saw the most standout performances throughout the week was the defensive line. Several players helped themselves throughout the week. Of course, others didn't just like the offensive line. But, Tony, who leaves Shrine Week on a good note? Who leaves it on a bad one? There were a lot of defensive linemen who stood out, but hands down, I think Mateau Betts of Canada uh, was the big winner of the week. Played his college ball at Lavelle University in Quebec City. You know, the, the Shrine game has a lot of traditions. Visiting the, the players visiting the hospital, they always invite a player from the Army and from the Naval Academy, and they always invite a few Canadian players. And most of those Canadian players are here or at Shrine game practices just to make a token appearance. I don't mean that, I don't say that to be, mean, be offensive. There have been some guys who have panned out. I believe Motel Betts is going to be one of them. He was the guy who was very good on Monday. He really upped his game on Tuesday. He, he kind of took a step back uh, Wednesday. It may have been that he was just wearing down, but I think he caught everybody by surprise. Uh, he's a guy who's an explosive pass rusher, just kept on coming. He just, there was no quit in his game. Plays with great fundamentals. I was so impressed with, with the way he played with great head level and leverage, the way he used his hands. I don't know that he's going to get a combine invite, but I know this. When he has his pro day, scouts are going to make the trip up north to watch him work out. No doubt about it. Chris Slayton uh, was a big winner this week. He was described to me as the best player on the field. I don't necessarily agree with that, but he was dominant at times. Really, the only bump in the road for Chris Slayton was when he faced off against Josh Miles, and Josh Miles was the only offensive lineman that I saw able to stop Chris Slayton. He's quick. He's explosive. He's a guy who came into the uh, week with a six-round grade. He's going to move into the fourth round. Good workouts could put him at the end of uh, round three. 
Daniel Wise of uh, Kansas was absolutely dominant. As we talked about in our preview, a lot of people, including myself, thought Daniel Wise should have been at the Senior Bowl next week. I said he was going to play with a chip on his shoulder. He absolutely did. He beat opponents every single way possible. Beat him with quickness, beat him with technique, beat him with moves, even showed some power, which was surprising. Uh, really looked good uh, moving around the field. Uh, I think he solidified himself as a fourth-round pick, maybe a third-rounder. Daylon Mack of Texas A&M also had an outstanding week. Big, thick, lower-bodied guy. Potential nose tackle or, or one-gap uh, player. Someone who holds the gaps. Showed tremendous power and, and was, just, was just a handful all week. I thought Kyle Phillips of Tennessee also came out of the week a big winner. Monday, he showed a lot of athleticism but wasn't making plays. Started to make plays on Tuesday. Was almost impossible to stop on Wednesday. Terrific pass rusher. A little bit undersized. May have to be used standing over tackle. But a guy who I think is now going to uh, got himself draftable with his week of practices at the Shrine Game, and it's going to be a situational pass rusher at the next level. The two big losers were actually the two top-rated uh, two players I had uh, rated the highest going into the week. It's just probably why they were the biggest. Uh, I hate to say losers, but these were the guys who lost the most on their draft grade because they didn't perform up to uh, potential. And that was Landis Durham of Texas A&M and Jordan Brelford of Oklahoma State. Durham looked great in drills, and I'm not talking about the one-on-ones. I'm talking about the drills against air. He just shows incredible movement skills. He's fluid. He's balanced. But the fact is this. He came out of a three-point stance every day, and he could not get off blocks. He didn't show himself to be anything other than a wide pass rusher. They never used him standing over tackle, which was a little bit disappointing to me. They strictly used him as a defensive end. Uh, but there's no doubt about it. I, I mean, Landis Durham came into the season graded as a top 45 pick by NFL scouts. I graded him as a potential second, third rounder. After uh, Shrine Week, I think he's a fifth round selection. Same thing with Jordan Brelford of Oklahoma State. Someone who I saw the people say, others say, could be a third round choice was handled at the point regularly. Didn't make some nice plays yesterday to his credit, so I got to point that out. But overall, it was not a good week for Brelford, who, like Landis Durham, was uh, specifically and solely used out of a three-point stance and never stood him up over tackle. So really, with Landis Durham of Texas A&M and Jordan Brelford of Oklahoma State, the book on them is they're undersized college defensive ends who are good pass rushers on Saturday, but they may struggle on Sunday. Yeah, it was kind of surprising to see Durham not use standing over tackle. It's something we talked about in the preview as something we definitely expected to see being what his skill set is and being what his size is. So it is a little disappointing that we didn't get to see him there. And certainly it's going to be disappointing for him on draft day that teams didn't get the opportunity to do that as well. Now, like the running backs, linebackers are always tough to scout at these kind of all-star events with the lack of hitting. But give us the lowdown, Tony. What were you able to see out of the linebacker spot? I think the big winner was Sione Takitaki of BYU. And it's a story that you're going to hear a lot about in the lead-up to the draft, all the specials on ESPN and everywhere else about his story, how he's turned his life around. But he really showed himself to be an NFL prospect during Shrine Game practices. Uh, he's very fluid. He's very athletic, very explosive, very good making plays up the field. Consistently got penetration in the scrimmages behind the line, uh, behind the line of scrimmage in the backfield and would have made tackles for loss if they were allowed to tackle. Needs to improve his cover skills, specifically making plays with his back to the ball. But a guy, when he was used in zone, was able to get depth on his pass drops, was easily able to drop off the line of scrimmage some 25 yards when the ball was in the air. Was also very impressed with uh, Joe Deneen of Kansas. 
not the same pass cover skills of uh, Taki Taki, but an explosive pursuit linebacker. Really quickly got out uh, to, uh, to the flanks uh, to make plays against screen passes, showed a lot of explosion up the field. A guy who went sideline to sideline, he's got the intensity, he's got the quickness. Like Taki Taki, he's a little bit smaller, but he's a run and chase linebacker, which is what teams want these days. I was disappointed in Trey Watson, although I got kind of what I expected from him. He's basically a two-down defender who plays downhill, is not effective in anything other than inside the box. Didn't show great pursuit speed, really got torched and hammered when uh, in coverage drills, shows no ability to make plays uh, moving backwards. But then again, you know, Trey Watson was not graded by scouts coming into the year. He's a guy who's known as a tackling machine. He's a two-down run defender who may be able to play special teams which is why if he's drafted, it's going to be very late. But he is what he is, and he's very good at what he does. Um, it's just that he's not a three-down defender. Now, on Tuesday, we mentioned Dakota Dixon from Wisconsin. He had a big practice Monday, and we weren't sure if he practiced Tuesday. You didn't see him out there. Turns out he didn't. But as you alluded to earlier, he was back Wednesday. Maybe he could have ended up a winner with an extra day of practice. Maybe if he was going you know, completely full on Wednesday and didn't have to take Tuesday off. But otherwise, we do have several other defensive backs who did impress and did boost their stock here in St. Pete. Tony, what did you see on the back end? Yeah, first, there were a couple DBs that uh, seemed to go down to injury. I didn't see Isaiah Wharton after his uh, terrific performance on Monday. Uh, Delvin Randall of uh, Temple was another guy I I think was probably dealing with an injury. Um, But really, the two big winners uh, in the defensive secondary was Jimmy Moreland of uh, James Madison. Uh, Really starting with Tuesday and then Wednesday, just showed himself to just showed a lot of next level skills. He's constantly around the ball. He's very, as someone put it to me, very sticky in the sense that he constantly sticks to the guy that he is supposed to be covering. He was used in the flanks. He was used in the slot. He made uh, a nice interception on Tuesday. He had several nice pass breakups. You know, he is small. And and when I say, I'm not just talking about you, you look at the, uh, the program height and weight when you look at him compared to other players he was small but i think what he's going to do is he's going to be a very good uh, slot cornerback uh, maybe a dime cornerback in his own system and it's also going to be used as a return specialist which he did at james madison so jimmy moreland i think leaves the shrine game with enhanced draft grades as does jordan wyatt of smu who had another nice pick yesterday Wyatt is a guy who Missed all of 2017 with a serious injury. Came back this year, 2018. Was kind of up and down as he was returning from that injury. Really, I watched him. I watched the film on him before uh, uh, trying week practice, and it was a little bit inconsistent. He showed a lot of consistency here. A lot of nice ball skills. He's got some outstanding size. Uh, I think he's going to be a late-round pick, but I think he could develop into a nickel back at the next level. If there was a guy who was the biggest loser uh, as far from the secondary, it would definitely be Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson started off Monday with a few nice plays, and then it was all downhill after that. He couldn't cover anybody. He was getting twisted. He was getting turned. He basically got beat down the field yesterday by Jesper Horsted, who's a 4'6", 225-pound uh, receiver, who's probably going to have to tur- uh, turn into a tight end at the next level. That's how bad it was getting from Michael Jackson. Came into the season with fourth-round grades. You know, the skills there, I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's something uh, mentally, but he's just got to pull the pieces together. Uh, I think right now, from what we saw this week, Michael Jackson's a sixth or seventh-round pick. Now, before we wrap up, we all know the practices are much more important than the game in an all-star setting, like the Shrine game, like the Senior Bowl. But there are still things to gain from the game itself. You just have to know what to look for. 
Tony, which matchup should we be watching and which players have a chance to show something? Well, a couple things I'm going to be looking for from individual players. Let's start off with two of the linebackers we spoke about, Joe Deneen of Kansas and Sione Takitaki uh, of BYU. They're smaller guys, so I want to see if they can tackle in space. I want to see if they can bring the ball carrier down to the point of attack rather than being a drag-down type tackler. You know, like what I said on Tuesday when I was talking about tacky-tacky, when it comes to run defense on the linebackers, it's tough to tell because it's two-hand touch. The linebackers are not, not allowed to make tackles. So with tacky-tacky, he was constantly getting penetration behind the line of scrimmage put two hands on the ball, carry play over. With Joe Denine, he was getting out to the flanks and beating the uh, running back to the corner, to the corners and cutting off the corners, two-hand touch the plays over. These guys got to show that they can wrap up and tackle and bring the ball carrier down in space. I want to see if Ty Johnson is used as a pass catcher out of the backfield. And I'm not just talking about dump-off screen passes. I'm talking about letting him run routes and getting the ball to him. That's a little bit difficult in these games, but it's something to watch because you'll want to see if they let Ty Johnson use Use those route running skills to separate and get 10, 15 yards down the field. Also, you got to watch Kendall Blanton's uh, Kendall Blanton's blocking. Uh, You're not going to be able to miss him on film because he's such an impressive figure. But when he's used as an inline blocker, is he effective? More so, not just physically, but mentally, does he know what's going on? Is he know does he know who he's supposed to block, or is he getting confused? That's something to watch. As far as the matchups. Really looking forward to see, watching Josh Miles, the offensive guard who we've spoken about all week from the East when he goes up against Daniel Wise of Kansas and Dalen Mack from Texas A&M, who are the top defensive linemen on the West. That is going to be a terrific matchup. Jimmy Moreland, who I just spoke about from the East, matching up against some of the bigger receivers from the West, including Roquavian Tarver and Keyshawn Johnson. That is going to be another matchup. Again, you know, the games don't mean as much as the practice because they get much more done in the practice. But you still want to watch these match- matchups and you, want, you still want to see if these players can implement in the games the skills that they show during practice. Absolutely. Just like time speed is different than practice speed. Practice speed is different than game speed, and some guys really turn it on. Some guys just process things so much quicker on the field. Some guys process things so much slower on the field. So not every 4-7 guy plays to it, and not every 4-5 guy plays to it. Absolutely. And the thing is this is, you know, the one-on-ones and the 5-5s, it's good to see that. But when you're going 11-on-11, and there's so much more going on, granted these games, they limit what they can do, no blitzing, you know, the types of defensive schemes that they can play. But when it's 11-on-11, Things tend to get a little bit more, a little bit more hazy between the ears for some people. And like you said, you know, those guys who run four fives, you know, all of a sudden now play to four sevens. And the guys who are a little bit slower who run four sevens, they process things so quickly mentally, they're playing more to a four five speed. Uh, and again, with with like a Jimmy Moreland uh, of uh, James Madison, it's more of a matchup question. You know, he's a guy who's going to be about five ten. Can he match up against the the six foot three Ron Quavian Tarver, the six foot one Keyshawn Johnson, especially with Keyshawn Johnson's uh, route running skills? And that's it for the twenty sixth episode of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to send us questions to answer on the show. We'll take a few days here to prep for the Senior Bowl, as both me and Tony are flying down to Mobile on Monday, where we'll bring you several shows and all the information you need from this year's week of practices. And hey, I can start contributing a little more too, as I'm going to be able to see things with my eyes rather than just relying on Tony's here. As always, head over to DraftAnalyst.com for all the latest on the NFL Draft. 
and we'll talk to you next week from Lad People Stadium.